same pattern. Tiki Barber and Brian Dawkins level. That ball went out of here off the top of the wall. Chipper Jones just won the ball game. Welcome to another edition of our Hometown Heroes podcast brought to you by Locket Law. Know before you blow. Uh, we are, boy, privileged today to talk to one of Jacksonville's greats, uh, um, David Duvall, number one golfer in the world. Uh, gosh, what a resume. Uh, players champ, won a major Denny, uh, tour champion. I mean, just you name it, Varden Trophy. Uh, he, he did it all. I got to tell you, we're killing this Hometown Heroes thing. Yeah. Man. I mean, you look at who we've had, and, and yeah. I'm excited about hearing from David on this one. And uh, I mean, the glory days of golf, in my mind, yeah. was when when he was number one. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. Well, David, uh, uh, we appreciate you taking some time. By the way, I, knowing you growing up, if I would have guessed that you were going to be a, a, an outstanding sp- uh, golf broadcaster, I wouldn't have picked that for you for a, for a job. But uh, you do a great job. I enjoy, enjoy listening and watching you on, on Golf Channel. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I just kind of fell into doing it a little bit uh, a few years back. So just try to try to be shoot straight with the audience and tell them what I think. And you do, and that's what I think is most refreshing. Not not everybody wants to do that, but you do it, and it's uh it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. Hey, David, obviously uh, we know about your your golf background and with your dad and stuff. But I'm just curious, growing up in Jacksonville and and playing over Tim Aquana, and uh, well, at what age did you start? At what age did you start playing? At what age did you get in catch the the, the golf bug, if you will? You know, that's a that's a pretty difficult question to answer. Just that, you know, I started messing around at six and seven okay. for sure, uh, playing a lot at eight, nine, ten, all that. But really, um, looking back, it was probably once Little League ran out. I played <laughs> Little League over at uh, NAS Jacks, right? And uh, you know, and I didn't want to play what I assume is still called the same thing, Senior League, uh, when uh, as a thirteen-year-old because the other kids were so much bigger from thirteen to fifteen, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I, so that's when I really spent most of my time playing golf then at that point, uh, really focused on it. Cause I played a lot of baseball, mm-hmm. ran around, you know, with friends, just did all those things. Um, but I, uh, I just, I think right when Lily ran out uh, is when I really started to focus on golf. When did you start to realize that, okay, it's a focus. I enjoy it, but you know what? I could make a pretty good living at this, or I could, I have a chance of making a living of this at what? Cause the casual golfer, Dan, I think like we can go out and have a good round. Well, you can, I can't, but well, that's fine. And and a good round is like a different good round for me than right. it is obviously for David Duvall. Right. I've always been curious when you talk to pro golfers, like at what point do you realize, hey, I, I got a shot at this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess as you progress through uh, junior golf, through mm-hmm. high school, uh, you, you're one of the top players, you get into college, things like that. For me, probably, you know, we we're on the way to NCAAs and I went as an 18 year old to try to qualify for the US Open down at Bay Hill and I made it. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty Davis good indicator. <laughs> um, you know, and then uh, and then I uh, I actually played well at the US. I made the cut and uh, Phil was low amateur. I was uh, I shot 43 on my last nine holes of the tournament. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, and then, so I knew I could play. Um, then I guess, you know, I, I kept, I continued to have success winning the amateur, all the big amateur events, uh, other than the U S amateur. 
you know, the Porter Cup, uh, Northeast Amateur, uh, things like that. And, um, you know, I got a spot in Atlanta, in the Atlanta Classic. Right. When I was a junior in college, and I was leading after three days. Uh, so I knew I could play on tour. Um, you know, I, Tom Kite, uh, won the golf tournament. I kind of fell apart on Sunday. Um, and, and so that's kind of how it progressed. I, I knew I could it, to, to what degree and how good I, I, I could become. I, I don't think you really know until you, until you dive in and start doing it. Um, I, I knew I could make a living on tour. I knew I could play professionally and I felt like I could win. Here's the I reason I didn't necessarily know if that would translate to number one in the world. Or not. Right. Here's what I think of when I ask that question though, David, is like I've on two different Occasions, I've had the chance to go and play golf courses that were the day before used for a tournament. Mm-hmm. Web.com at Atlantic right. Beach is the first thing I think of. I go out there and I hack it around. And Dave, when I tell you I was like worn out, I felt like I'd been in a fight for five hours. And I go out there and barely survive. And those guys shot 28 under. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it's just, it's insane the talent level and the skill set that golfers have. Well, I, I think that really probably translates to, to all sport uh, and all, all professional athletes who are at the top of the game. It, it's just a, you're talking uh, apples and oranges. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're you're really good, and it's not a knock because golf is a ridiculously hard game. But you're you know your your club champion just ain't gonna cut it on tour. You know, right? The guy who's a plus two, plus whatever at, at his local club. They're, you're talking leaps and bounds difference between these guys who are on top of the golfing world and and, and, and the great you know local amateurs. Um, there's a big big difference, and I think that's in, in every sport, but. Yeah, it, it, I feel like it kind of translates into just professional life as well. I mean, the the, the people who do, uh, you know, different things around the world are just that much better than everybody else at it. You went from Episcopal High School to Georgia Tech. You uh, had one of the really one of the most decorated collegiate careers in, in history. I mean, you were ACC player, national player of the year. You, you did it all at Georgia Tech. I'm just curious how the Georgia Tech connection, obviously, I'm sure you have no regrets because it worked out so very well. You mentioned David Duvall was leading a PGA Tour event mm-hmm. after three rounds while he was in college. Um, uh, so I, I just tell me a little bit about the decision. And if it, if it wasn't Tech, where would you have gone, Dave? Oh, well, I don't know. I only... So back then, you were allowed to take five official visits, mm-hmm. uh, and I only took three. And I just I basically visited the different regions kind of, of the country and wanted to see the top programs. I went to the University of Arizona for a visit. Mm-hmm. I went to Oklahoma State for a visit, and I went to Georgia Tech for a visit. Um, you know, my dad my dad grew up, uh, and he went to Florida State, and he played on the golf team with with you know his brother mm-hmm. and with. Hubert Green and, and, you know, all these people. So, you know, I grew up a big Florida State fan, and I've, I still am. I mean, I'm as much a Florida State fan as, as you guys know, being that area. Uh-huh. You're a Florida, either a Gator or a Seminole, yeah. and I just grew up a Seminole, and I'm still Seminole. And, and I just uh, – but I didn't – funny enough, at least at least as I remember it and the way I saw it and the way I felt it, they didn't – Florida State didn't recruit me, and or not properly at least. Uh-huh. And, and so I, I didn't even visit there. I was going to go take a visit visit down to University of Florida, an unofficial visit. I called up you know, his buddy Alexander at the time. I yeah. called him up probably a week ahead of time. I was like, you know what, buddy? I, I don't I don't want to waste your time or mine. I, I grew up a Seminole and I ain't going to be a Gator. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Respectable. I can, I can deal with that. Yeah. Like, right. He was like, I appreciate you being honest, you know? <laughs> and so, um, you know, so I, and, and Georgia Tech was a great fit uh, for me just, as much for anything as the man who ran the program, Puggy Blackman. Right. I felt like like he he uh, understood me, 
Uh, he gave me the leeway I needed to kind of do it my way and pursue things the way I thought I should and and, and also help guide me in the maturation process and becoming a you know a punk kid to a young man mm-hmm. and I think he did a, a wonderful job and I'm as, as grateful for to him for that as anything else are you and David you went on the tour and 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 you had some success uh, but mm-hmm. I remember if I'm not mistaken here you had a bunch of runner-ups right before you finally broke through and then you started winning all the time is is there it was that a process did you have to learn how to win is that being young is that making a mistake where you normally or or maybe you wouldn't make a mistake what was that like going through that and was did you feel any outside pressure internal pressure in terms of i've got to win here uh you know or are you like all right look i'm doing i'm, I'm gonna get breakthrough here eventually uh, uh, all of all of that all of that yeah <laughs> yeah all of it and, yeah. and, and uh you know yeah i uh you know i got ready uh, I worked really hard in the off season uh, for the start of the '95, my rookie year on tour, mm-hmm. on the regular tour, and uh, went made the trip out to Hawaii, uh, made the cut, you know, as a as a tour member, mm-hmm. and so you know, I'm like, all right, I can I can play out here. Now I shot like 64 on Saturday. I'm like, I, and okay, now I know I can shoot low scores out here on tour, you know. And I ended up finishing second twice on the West Coast. Uh, left the West Coast third on the money list that year. Uh, they actually, I wasn't actually in the Players Championship band, if you remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to, they had to make, they had to have a rule change. I think I don't know exactly what it was like. If you're in the top five or top right. ten after the West Coast on the money list, you're in the players, you know. And so, um, you know, I, uh, I don't know the number of runner-ups I had before I won. I think it was somewhere from like seven to ten. There was a few, yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was not. It wasn't like it was once or twice. It was a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the times I played well and got beat. A couple of times I flat blew it. Um, and and and, and other times I just di- didn't play well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, one of the ones, uh, the first one I had, the Bob Hope, I, I shot I was what, a shot off the lead and shot 69 on Sunday and got beat, you know? And the other one on the West Coast that year, I was, uh, let's see, in 95, I shot 15 under par, which would have been a tournament record. Okay. Except Mark O'Meara shot 17 under par. <laughs> it was a marker or Jake. Jake, maybe it was Jake that year. Okay. Shot 17 under par, you know, same kind of thing. And, right. And, and I think that happened actually before I won. I did it again i shot like at pebble beach i shot like 17 or 18 under par which would have been tied or would have been the tournament record except omir shot 20 under you know <laughs> and so it, it was just and, and and when i finally won at king's mill um it was a golf course i really liked uh it used to be played in the summer and i, I hated being there so it was so miserably hot right um, right there on the james river i mean way worse than jacksonville in the summer way worse mm. and, and uh and um they moved it to october i was like excited about that weather and things like that. And I got there and uh, was basically hitting the golf ball exactly how I wanted to. Um, every every club was coming off exactly the same. They were all launching through the same window. Everything was perfect. I got two or three, maybe even four new putters sent in that week for all I, I remember exactly. Uh, ended up keeping uh, two of them that looked the best to me. One is the putter I uh, used for basically the entirety of my career and won everything with, and I switched to it that week. And the other one was the backup. So every, every Ryder Cup, President's Cup, World Cup, uh, um, every tournament I've won around the world um, was won with that putter except for one wow Wow. that was one with the backup yeah and so you know i happened to make a few putts um i hit some good shots when i needed to and and one and and i got done and it was like you know man you sure made this a lot harder than it needed to be (laughs) you know (laughs) the 
the nearly nearly three year process of, of breaking through and winning. Um, I made it a lot harder than it needed to be. You know, you just sometimes as an athlete, you just forget and you and you get in your own way. And I think looking back on it, I probably tried a little too hard uh, and and got in my way a little bit too much. Um, even though I played well, say, let's say it was eight runner up four one. Even though I played well in four of them, I, I could have played better. Right. I just got out of my own damn way. You know. So, well, now you won. Maybe the wave wouldn't have been as long. That was in October '97, and then you won again the next week, right? Floodgates opened, right? Yeah, you started. Yep, winning. I won the next yeah. week down at Disney. I, um, actually, I think it's called the. So you have I forget the two courses, but one was the Palm, the easier one. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm still riding a high uh, from breaking through and winning, and I bogeyed the first two holes, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and ended up shooting 65. Um, wow. And and then I won I won that in a playoff uh, with Dan Forsman. Um, and then I was gonna uh, I was scheduled to play in Las Vegas the next week, um, but I withdrew. I just, I was like, I need to have a break, a, a little bit of a rest before the tour championship. And then went to the tour championship in Houston and won that one too. Jeez. So that's the interesting thing so, though, is I'm looking at this, the first two wins were both playoffs. So you go October 12th, October 19th, both wins in a playoff. Then he wins November 2nd. Did it, was it kind of disappointing that the tour championship was like, all right, I'm hot now. And now we got to take <laughs> three <go>. months off. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, A little bit in a way. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was a little bit sad that the season was over at that point, um, but but also was excited and was ready to get ready for the next year. You know, I, I took off. I, I forget what I did. I mean, I probably took some time off and then spent, you know, weeks on the back of the practice ground there at uh, TPC Sawgrass, you mm-hmm. know, hitting practicing and hitting wedges and chips and bunker shots and all that, just getting ready for the West Coast. Because I always felt like if you could be ready on the West Coast, when a lot of people, it seemed, were coming out off of a rest as opposed to preparation and kind of coming out of hibernation and they weren't as sharp, I just felt like you could get such a jump on the rest of the tour. And it, it, was, it, it worked well for me, uh, that approach, for, for several years. Well, that was really my question is, because you win basically your last three starts in 97. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. and so then you take that time off. Was there a little bit of, I'm assuming you went to Hawaii and played the first tournament in 98, if that was a thing back then. Um, was there a little bit of, okay, I'm anxious to see, do I still have this since I won You know, the, so late in the year? Is that a thing in a professional mindset or is it, no, I've won, I've no. gotten over that barrier, I still have it? There was no question of whether I had it or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I knew I had it at that point right. and I knew I could win. I knew I could win often, you know, but to do that, you just have to play well. And so yeah. I had to be prepared for when I did play uh, to, to to make sure I gave myself the best opportunity. And, and that's where that fine line and, and, and figuring out that balance of preparation mm. and, and playing and, uh, aligned with rest uh, because rest is a, is a big thing too. And, and a lot of it's the mental, the mental rest that you need as much as anything to keep your mind sharp and not make stupid mistakes and stupid decisions. And so balancing that is where I think that I think that's where the top athletes uh, across the board, that's where they uh, differentiate themselves uh, from others as much as anything is, is figuring out that fine line of being 100 percent prepared and, and being ready to perform more often than not. Your career was filled with so many great moments to me when I look back. You know, it just moments that you couldn't even dream of. Like, if you had one of those moments, it would have been a great career. But you had uh, number one in the world, 59, winning it on Sunday. I think it was an eagle, if I'm not mistaken, on 18. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Players' Champ, a British Open, uh, 4-0 and in a, in a president. I mean, just so many great moments. 
How do you, well, two things. One, if I told you that when you were 14 years <laughs> old, uh, bopping around, would you have said, yeah, right? Or would you have said, I, that, that's what my hope is, my dream is? And two, how do you quantify those? Like in, in your, you know, do, you can't rank them, can you? Are they all like your own little children? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, I don't think there's really a way you rank them yeah. so much. Um, you know, I, I think the 59 was a, was a special day. Oh. Uh, winning a World Cup with Tiger was a special Mm -hmm. winning at home at the players um you know and and that's the thing if you if you tell me when i flew out to hawaii in 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 january of 95 that this is going to be the 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 sum you know of your work this is going to be your body of work you're going to win 20 times around the world you win a major you'll be number one you'll shoot 13 under par to win a golf tournament on on sunday uh you'll be on Ryder cups and president's cup Mm -hmm. you'll win a world cup you know you'll win an open blah 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 you know what you i'd say i take it (laughs) i'll take it (laughs) Mm -hmm. but having achieved all that yeah i there's regret in that I got hurt and, and, and I feel like in some ways I got cut short. I could have, I feel like I had the potential to be a two, three, four major winner, uh, potentially a 20, 25, 30 turn time tournament winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but my body just, uh, didn't cooperate after starting in about 2000, 2001, just, it just stopped, it stopped working properly. It broke. <laughs> And so there's a regret about that, but but uh, but in general, like I said, I mean, really, when you start out and they tell you that, give you this this highlight reel and tell you this is what it's going to be, you say I'll, I'd say I'd For take sure. it. For <laughs> yeah. sure. What, what was there one? Uh, uh, I know you had numerous ailments and such. Was there one that really was the ultimate? Do you think that derailed the the career or no? Was it just a combination? Well, I, I think it all goes back to blowing out my back in 2000. Okay. Okay. Um, I think everything else stemmed from that. All the other little minor injuries and it's funny i you know i've had i've had two more in the last year you know oh wow um, yeah i had i had uh, two discs replaced in my neck last summer jeez and, and then i i tore the glute tfl muscle in my left side in february oh my year. goodness and that you know i was out for, i just started hitting golf balls again uh you know and, and and messing around uh so i actually played today the second full round i played and since February. Wow. So, um, just, you know, just little things like that. Um, but I, I think they just all add up the sum total, you know, and body breaks down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. goes from there. That's all. Sports bucket list for me at the very top is the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. I want to go to a Ryder Cup. Yeah. You, you, you <laughs> played in a Ryder Cup. Like, can you, can you just talk about what that is, what it's, what, what it's become, how different it is from a normal tournament, that, that type of perspective from, uh, from a professional? I, I, the, the best way that I've tried to figure out how to explain it is that, you know what, you're in the final pairing on Sunday at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you have a chance to win the Masters. You're nervous when you start, but you settle into your round. Um, and and you, the nerves kind of go away. As the round progresses, as you get later in the day, you have an opportunity to win, some nerves come back. But there's a period of time there for 13, 14 holes when you're in the midst of it that you're just playing and performing. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Ryder Cup, you're nervous the whole time. It's that intense. <laughs> None of those nerves. <laughs> yeah, it's that intense. And if you get to go to one, I would, you know what, I, you, you need to go to two. You know, you need to go to one here in the U.S. and one over in Europe. Right. Uh, because they're entirely different, uh, different vibes. You know, over here, it's... A, obviously pro 
USA and over there is pro Europe. And, and, you know, being a part of uh, Jim's team a few years ago and being a vice captain over in France, um, it was, it was intense and crazy. And I mean, just the, the chanting at whatever it was, 645 and the singing Sunday morning with goodness, I don't know, 25, 30,000 people around the first tee box. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it is, it, if it's not the greatest spectacle in sports, it, it is certainly a top five spectacle in sports. Uh, it is unbelievable. I'm, I'm sold. I'm going to both now. Yeah. I, I, sold. Yeah. Done. It sounds like a, the greatest. You know what's amazing, <laughs> so, Denny, is that the mental, how focused these, these golfers are. David is rattling off shots oh, yeah. that yeah. he hit, you know, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, yeah. and holes. It's, it, that always blows my mind. It's a game plan. Yeah. And I don't think people think about golf as a pre-round game plan, but it's very much that, isn't it, David? It is. You have to have a, you have to be prepared and know what you're going to do, and you have to obviously be able to adjust a little bit, but you know, that's part of the preparation is figuring out how best you can play the golf course. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. And, you know, I know there's a lot going on and the stats say that the further you are down the hole and closer you are to the green, the better. But you know what? I don't think that necessarily holds true in the big events. You know, I would much rather be 90 yards from the fairway than 40 yards from five inch rough, mm-hmm. you know, to U.S. Open, uh, you know, so I don't understand how that correlates. But, yeah, every player, you know, is trying to figure out how best they can get around the golf course. And it's it's very much a kind of a chess match, if you will, um, certainly at least in the big events, you know, where there's rough and hard, fast greens uh, weekly now where there's not much rough on tour any longer. Um, it is a bit of a bomb and gouge uh, a game. And, and you look at the athlete who's playing now and how big and fast they are and how strong they are it's impressive it's a it's a sight to behold that's for sure uh, and that that leads to actually a question i've got first i, I gotta say thanks to david because the most fun ground of golf i ever had was largely attributed to him i was at pablo creek mm-hmm. when he won the open okay and we we all were sitting there just watching mm-hmm. and david it was like a celebration man <laughs> it was like i mean it was 18 <laughs> holes of drinking and celebrating yeah. you know from how many ever thousand of miles away it was but that that was that was fantastic and uh, and man, it was it was cool to see a bunch of people in a clubhouse, you know, pulling you on from from a local level. Yeah, uh, the support was always tremendous uh, back in Jacksonville, and I've been eternally grateful for for that uh, throughout my uh, the entirety of my career. And and so there's a lot of good folks there, and and uh, you know just being born and raised, entirely born and raised there, I think uh, it means a lot. Well, the last thing I've got to ask is I got to get your opinion on this Kepka Deschambeau stuff. Is, is, <laughs> one, is it real? And two, is it good for golf? Or what's your what's your opinion on this? I I think it's real. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I don't what know. The it seems WWE is. to me. Like there's some of it that you know, seems a little. <laughs> it might be a little bit. Who knows? Um, it's good good as long as it doesn't you know cross the line you know as long as you mm-hmm. uh, I, I i like both those guys a lot um uh, you're, you're talking about personalities and, and and approaches uh that are 180 degrees apart um it, it, so and i think it's fascinating to talk to to both of those players um you know brooks seems uh, you know he comes off i feel like he comes off a lot like i did a bit standoffish um a bit uh a bit cocky um but but he's not that way he's mm-hmm. just a, a very focused uh uh 
talented athlete. Um, Bryson's just quirky. Bryson's just Bryson. Right. I mean, that's the best way you can describe him is he's Bryson. And, you know, it's good for the game. I mean, anything that draws attention to the game is, is a good thing. But as long as it stays above board and it's good, it's in, it's in good sportsmanship, I, I don't have any problems with it. Well, you were always gracious to us, and uh, we appreciate you. Uh, this is a big year for you, by the way. Uh, uh, if I, I start to feel old oh. when I see David Duvall is turning 50 this year, that kind of makes me <laughs> sad in a way because I'm eight years past. But uh, uh, we thank you for the time. Uh, it's great stuff, and it's always fun going down memory lane. You provided us with a lot of uh, yelling and screaming, as Denny said, through the years as we watched you play. So I appreciate you, David. All right, bud. I appreciate y'all's time. All right. I really, I'm really grateful. Thank you for the support. Thank you, David. Have, have a great day. That's uh, David right, Duvall joining us on the Hometown Heroes podcast, brought to you by Locket Law. Know before you blow. For Denny Thompson, I'm Dan Hick.